Welcome to The Pursuit of Purpose, a podcast made possible by Skylife Success, a SkyPass group company. Join Krish Dunham, an author and speaker whose messaging has been described as the junction where God's ability and man's availability meet hope's accessibility. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to a fabulous Friday. Fabulous indeed because no longer is Friday a precursor to something we call the weekend. It's another day in a seemingly endless run of days where you can take off in between the week because you're working from home or you can add chores during the week uh, that you would normally reserve for a Saturday or a Sunday. As I ponder to think about the different things that are going on and the worship patterns no longer relegated to Sunday, I've participated in prayer meetings that go on all week, all month, all year. Whatever people are considering as part of this ongoing journey, there is a prayer of promise that the God above gives us. Today, I want to talk about traditions And more importantly, I want to rework something that seems to be on everyone's mind. Some years ago, I remember reading some excerpts as a precursor to getting ready to watch a movie on the old novel that is considered one of the great classics of all time, Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. And though I read that book as a youngster, I've forgotten most of the characters. All I do remember is that there was a show-and-tell identity to it, the desire to marry up, the desire to believe you belonged in higher society, and the desire to have matches made for your progeny that would give them credibility. Today, I wanted to rework that and go backwards and maybe call this prejudice and pride. We live in a world of many isms, uh, the isms of economy that are socialism, capitalism, uh, communism, Marxism, progressivism, or whatever, the isms of culture and race, the isms of egalitarianism, the isms of religion, uh, the isms of uh, identity. There's so many isms out there, as the great preacher Mr. Hill once said, all these isms should be wasms. So why then stumble on this topic of prejudice and pride? I think we all begin with basic prejudices. I think we all begin with basic inhibitors depending on our geographical origins, our ethnic uh, upbringing, the languages that unite us, the cultures that differentiate us, the food patterns that uh, distinguish us. And then there's the migration of humanity that moves from one part to the other. So we take our prejudices with us As we move across boundaries, sometimes those boundaries are perceived as bigoted because they don't want you there, or even after you cross over, you are given a smaller boundary in which you're supposed to self-contain yourself. The reason I wanted to address this issue in a more altruistic way is some of the comments I have gotten from people who said, thank you for taking a middle-of-the-road approach. The middle of the road approach is not designed to be on the hedge without an opinion or without an identity that allows you to have some kind of decisive or decision-making capability. The middle of the road approach is just that, to unpack the fact that there is prejudice in all of us. Uh, 
Sometimes I'm more comfortable speaking to some folks than other folks uh, when all the chips are down and all the background is unknown. As one person said, if I was walking through a dark street at night and uh, suddenly I was accosted by a bunch of people and they had a bunch of tattoos on them and were carrying guns, would I be more comfortable knowing that they had just come from a Bible study or would I be more comfortable knowing that they had just stumbled out of a bar? The answer is obvious. Regardless of what a person looks like and acts like, part of the prejudice that we have is we hope and pray that they have some kind of a cultural standing that is moral in nature. So behind all of the prejudices that people are accused of and accosted with, there is this cry for a basic morality, a basic fairness. The reason I touched on the Jane Austen novel is another classic from years gone by is the Broadway play and the book, uh, which was a bunch of Jewish tales called Fiddler on the Roof, where Tevye is confronted with the same situation and his own prejudices in the times of Tsarist and Imperial Russia. Tevye, of course, the Ukrainian milkman of Jewish origin, wants suitable suitors for his five daughters, three of whom decide to pursue the avenue of love. Tevye's prejudices show as he's realizing that the reason he's clinging on to his famous words, tradition, 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 is not because he despises other people, but because he feels that there is some kind of comfort and similarity. So maybe before we can get the pride of being and the pride of wanting to walk around society with our head held high, telling other people how they should live their lives, maybe we should examine our own prejudices. What are some prejudices that we hold dear that Amidst the facade of integration in a society, these prejudices still do come to the surface when you question your own being, when you question your own belonging, when you question your own believing. And these are some of the toughest conversations that people will have because we want to sweep a lot of these emotions under the rug, uh, give rise to other emotions that do not really have any bearing. And as a result, the facts behind the emotions in the first place seem to create some kind of a, uh, anesthetic of some kind, which means it, uh, it sensitizes us to a degree that we do not want to be sensitized, or it sanitizes us to a degree that we do not want to be sanitized. All this to say is that today when I look at some of the decisions I make, there is a prejudice behind my pride, the prejudice for a culture that is moral in nature, a prejudice for a culture that has a mental, physical, and spiritual attribute to it, a prejudice of a nature that has familial values attached to it, a prejudice of a nature that has loyalty and lo love and uh, dignity attached to it. When I look at the fruits of the Spirit that are coined for us in Holy Writ in the Bible, Almost all of them today in common lexicon would evoke some kind of a prejudice of a negative nature, yet they were put there with a lot of positive prejudice. And here the word prejudice itself is kind of prejudicial because if you mention the word prejudice, suddenly you're attacked immediately for being bigoted or against a race or something else like that. And there's no reason for that. We all have prejudice behind the pride we have in the belief we have. For example, if I looked at the fruits of the Spirit and I thought to myself, what are some of the prejudices I would have towards love? Obviously, I would be prejudiced towards my bride over anybody else's bride, and I'm pretty sure all of matrimony would prefer that. 
when I singled her out all those years ago, now 38 years ago, this past uh, August uh, 16th, and almost 35 years of matrimony, 35 years next year. There's been a prejudice towards her. When I stand in public and I call her my bride, I have a great pride in that fact, but I'm prejudiced to the fact that she is my bride and not anybody else's. It is a preference for a wanton feeling towards. So love has prejudice attached to it. I understand we want to love everybody, but there comes a point in a human mind where you say to yourself, you know what? Only the one who is perfect, who died on the cross, could love anybody without any illustration. And ultimately, our goal is to be like him. But when we are like him, we're going to be with him. And at that point, it's going to be too late to do anything on this side and probably too early to begin to learn what we're going to be doing for a long time on the other side. Same thing with joy. What gives you joy? For me, doing a crossword puzzle gives me joy. Does that mean I'm automatically prejudiced against people who don't do crossword puzzles? No, but I do get a little miffed when I open a crossword puzzle in a plane or in a mode of transportation and see something in that uh, airline back pocket that has a puzzle that I want to do that is half filled out. And even the half that's filled out is just erroneous because someone saw a bunch of squares and decided to just put letters in them hoping they would match, not having a clue what a crossword is about. Get it? Pun. Not having a clue what the crossword's about. But as my tone indicated, that just, just sets me off. That doesn't mean it's the end of the world. It's just my preference for is for a clean crossword. Better yet, my preference for is if you don't know how to do the crossword, kindly do it in pencil so someone can erase it. Now, why am I getting off on a tangent on crosswords? I wrote about this uh, in a book called Hard-Headed, Soft-Hearted about crosswords and puzzles and how some of us do not treat life as this complex puzzle and we just go about willy-nilly filling it. Yet, when I look at a crossword, I try to look at a bunch of clues before I put the answer to one down because I want the collection of my thought process to make sense. Joy, peace. Uh, peace uh, is a prejudicial issue. For some people, uh, peace is harmony. For the other people, peace is disruption because it gives peace to your cause or it gives meaning to your cause. I know that sounds uh, a little convoluted, but some of the people who talk on TV, they look around us and they consider what we are going through as a peaceful protest. No, I'm not on either side of the protest. Obviously, I'm not out there doing it. I'm not out there defending it. But what I'm saying is if you cannot, uh, a peaceful protest is a protest where nobody gets hurt, nothing is burnt, nothing is looted, and nobody, and your message gets across. Well, I come from a land that was uh, delivered because of peaceful protests, i.e. nonviolence. This was the land of Mahatma Gandhi. More people died in the partition after the partition of India and Pakistan as people were migrating between one country to the other and uprooting centuries of uh, stability, stability that they already had. And more people died in the four months after partition than died during the entire freedom struggle. So again, when you look at the fruits of the Spirit, ask yourself how many of those can be perceived to be prejudicial uh, if your pride in it is given a wrong demarcation in society. Now, this is, again, a very philosophical lecture. And for those of you listening to me and people listen to me from all over the world, uh, it is just a plea of some kind. Now, the reason I use the word prejudice and pride is just to play off against Jane Austen's novel of Pride and Prejudice. Obviously, I'm, this is not trying to be some kind of a literary masterpiece or this 15 minutes trying to catch some kind of, you know, human change. 
But it is a fact that we all have some prejudices that define us. These prejudices are cultural in nature. They have an affinity. I was talking to a man from Malaysia the other day who wants me to come onto some programs with him. And suddenly there was a great pride that was felt when he realized that in addition to my spoken word in English, which he wanted me to deliver my message in, he was having so much joy in the fact that not only would we speak the same language, but our familial origins go back to the same small city in a state, in a country that both of us no longer live in. And as a result now, we have a preference to do work with each other versus anybody else because there was that continuity. That doesn't mean you don't suit up to fight battles with everybody else. There is some kind of joy and peace you feel in that. So almost everything we do in this world has some kind of a prefaced prejudice to it. To walk around altruistically and say, this is just my opinion and I'm very objective in itself is a subjective statement because you're now insisting that you have to tell them it's your opinion. Your opinion is, at the end of the day, your opinion. So when one newscaster gets on TV and says, I'm an objective journalist, all I like to give out is my opinion, you basically said that you have a preference for your opinion over anybody else's opinion, which means you're prejudicial towards your opinion. Now, this is logic. This goes back to the very tenets of what we are trying to eradicate completely from society, and that is the ability to just think. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Let me ask you a question. If you went out and did good to somebody and that person in turn came back and robbed you, Jesus says, forgive them 70 times seven. The odds of you going out and giving them good stuff for 70 more times is about slim to none unless you are Mother Teresa. And if you are, then this message is not for you. Odds are at some point, if it's not reciprocated, you will move on to deliver your act of charity to someone else. Now, you're not being charitable because you want to be recognized. That's self-serving. But if you gave charity to someone and it was not only not recognized, but it was retaliated against, odds are you'd find another conduit. Now, does that make you prejudicial from uh, completely cutting yourself off from the first source? I don't think so. I think you have pride in the fact that you want to be charitable and your pride now drives you to the area where you think it would give you the greatest joy. Sometimes it's like, you know, talking to a wall. And in fact, I remember the joke. In fact, it was a meme sometime back about a man who was sitting by, who would go morning, noon and night to the Wailing Wall, uh, which is that famous spot in Israel where people went to cast away their sorrows and talk to the God above. And a journalist following him said, how, how often have you done this? He said, I've done this morning, noon and night. And he says, how long have you done this? He said, I've done this for 60 years. He says, how does it feel to have been so committed to a cause for 60 years? He says, I feel like I'm talking to a wall. And uh, that's tongue in cheek. But sometimes I wonder if society is just hitting its head against a wall and not getting anywhere and not getting there sooner. Um, you know, Adrian Rogers, that great preacher who I quote a lot, says there comes a point where he called it in his sermon, uh, we are broken beyond repair, which means there will come a point where... Uh, our, our desire to be progressive, our desire to be idealistic, our desire to be altruistic, our desire to be all-inclusive will break us beyond repair. Because at some point, we have to have pride in what we do and constantly can be stepping over eggshells trying to defend 
prejudices that we have that are real. And I'm not talking about prejudice as bigotry. Please hear me carefully. This is my whole purpose for doing this message. Prejudice is a preference for. Every human being on earth has a prejudice towards something. But when you hijack the word and blanketly say that the word prejudice means you're bigoted and you're against everything else just because you're for something, that defies logic 101. Of course you're against something if you're for something, but it doesn't mean just because you're for something, you're against everything else. And we can talk about this ad nauseum, but this Friday, as I was going to have a fabulous Friday, some of the stuff that I listen to on the news and some of the stuff I see out there are people splitting hairs about stuff that shouldn't really work. And that's why the late grad Ravi Zacharias put it, you know, when you do not have a foundation to begin with, a moral foundation that has a moral law and a moral lawgiver that defines for us, this is right, this is wrong, this is yes, this is no, this is black, this is white, this is good, this is bad. Uh, we are standing with our feet firmly planted in midair. And of course, we know, just like he says, there's no such thing as a one-ended stick. So quit racking your brain trying to think of it because the very thought of trying to think of a one-ended stick makes your head hurt, which means there are two sides to every argument. And just like people have a preference for something, everybody has a preference against something. So hopefully this uh, motivated you a little bit to think of the pride you have that gives you the preference for. God bless you all. And until next time, this has been Purpose and Productivity. God bless. And that concludes another episode of The Pursuit of Purpose with Chris Dunham, brought to you by Skylife Success. Please subscribe, rate, and visit us on the web at chrisdunham.com and skylifesuccess.com, where you can find our social media links and access to additional resources. Till next time, happy learning and happy living.